Hello, and welcome to this edition of the EV Revolution Show audio podcast. With your host, Kenneth Bacor. This is episode 30, recorded on November 19th, 2021. This episode of the EV Revolution Show is sponsored by File Sanctuary. Need a great web host for your business? Need to get email at yourdomain.com? They provide professional, feature-rich web and email hosting for any project you have in mind. Get started today at filesanctuary.net forward slash cloud and save 10% with promo code EVREVSHOW. All right. Yeah. Thanks very much, folks, for tuning in to this edition of the EV Revolution Show audio podcast. My name is Kenneth Bokor, as you heard, the host. And I'm always pleased, as you guys know, if you've been listening to my show, I only get smart people to talk to, people that are 10 million times smarter than myself. And I have another gentleman here today that I'm so proud to have on board on the show, Mr. Jack McCauley. How are you, Jack? I'm I'm fine, uh, Kenneth. Thank you for um, the opportunity to speak uh, and do this podcast with you. I'm doing great, though. Excellent. Well, you're on the West Coast, so you're having a nicer climate than we are here in the East Coast. Uh, so you're certainly going to be in a little bit better shape here. Now, to give you folks uh, some uh, knowledge of, of who Jack is. Now, Jack is a smart guy, as I mentioned. He's a professor and innovator in residence at UC Berkeley, which is a beautiful place. I've been there many, many years ago. He teaches environmental vehicle engineering which is cool. We're going to get into peeling some of the layers back on that, how it relates to EVs, of course. Um, You also, uh, Jack, I've heard a co-founder of Oculus. You're a guitar hero, which I love, by the way. Still have all my guitar hero stuff, acoustics developer, and an American engineer. You have many interesting hats, I'm sure. So again, thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule to talk to me. Right. I'm, 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 let's uh, shoot. I'm, 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 (laughs) Uh, lots lots on the brain so you know relative to evs um i think uh, when when we connected i think the main topic we wanted to start with that you wanted to talk about and felt passionate about was the solid state battery uh you know discussions that are out there that seems to be you know kind of where we need to go from an ev technology standpoint or where the technology seems to be driving partly there are chemistry changes there are manufacturing there are all kinds of r&d going into other components and other areas, but uh, solid state battery seems to be what a lot of people are, are extremely interested in tracking and looking at. So, you know, the first question I like to ask you is, you know, what the, what's expected in your opinion from the solid state battery technology relative to EV industry? What do you see happening there? Well, uh, I went to the Detroit Auto Show, which was held at a racetrack uh, earlier this this uh, last yeah. month. I almost went, by the way, but then I heard it got flooded after the first, the second day or something, right? <laughs> I was there the first day, and the mm-hmm. second day was due to uh, have a, a downpour, and it mm-hmm. did apparently. Uh, but I got in another, and I did actually get to go ahead, go around and meet people who are working on battery technology. So. A number of companies are doing this quote uh, solid state battery research, mm-hmm. um, and, and essentially what it is 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 a is a is a lithium um, anode type battery and uh, a battery without um, um, electrolyte in it. And mm-hmm. this is the quest. Um, 
this would be actually be a much safer battery to be around and less prone to fires and so forth. And the potential is the energy density can be higher. Right. Uh, so there's three problems that need to be solved. This the ease of manufacturing, uh, energy density increasing, and elimination of hazards due to the materials that are used in lithium lithium ion batteries, for instance, electrolytes are is an, is an oil-based thing that has a tendency to burn. Mm -hmm. So the quest, um, the, the there are a number of companies working on it. Uh, Solid Power is one of the companies that's working on this, and some of the other companies I met at the Detroit Auto Show. So the emphasis is on trying to get the batteries easier to manufacture and, and safer and higher energy density. Right now, right now you're looking at about roughly a thousand nine hundred to a thousand dollars per kilowatt hour for battery. Okay. And wow. Fifty kilowatt hour battery um, is a lot of money. Um, That's kind of where we were with current, you know, technologies, NMC and stuff, you know, five, 10 years ago, lithium ion, right? Or a price so point. There are other battery technologies, mm -hmm. lithium sulfur, lithium oxygen batteries, which have higher potential mm -hmm. energy density. In other words, the number of um, calories per unit volume is much higher. Um, and that's the quest is to get the battery weight down. Uh, a, a majority of the weight on the Model S car is the battery pack. As, well, as people well know who listen to your podcast, it counts for about 40% of the vehicle's weight. Uh, electric vehicles uh, have obvious significant advantages over internal combustion engine type vehicles, principally the simplicity. Um, the Model S is a very, very simple vehicle uh, from a mechanical standpoint. Uh, it has an induction motor in it. Uh, this induction motor has no magnets in it, a Model S. Now, the Model 3 has a variable reluctance motor with magnets in it, but it really doesn't have magnets in it. There's many advantages to an indu induction motor versus a permanent magnet motor. So this is the Model S, the simplicity is there. The battery and the electronics are another spectrum of complexity. I always like to say that uh, the Model S and other electric vehicles are primarily software platforms. They're a software-driven system. Uh, the software does the entire management of the powertrain, the batteries, keeping the batteries, the battery management system, the safe operating area of the batteries keep from overheating and so forth, keeping them, um, estimating the mileage and so forth. All of it's done in software. And, uh, so this is a this is the, the sea change that we're seeing now. As a matter of fact, just as a side note, I was watching the news this morning and Ford and GM are now going to get into the semiconductor business because it, the cars are becoming the largest consumers of electronics. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Go figure, yeah. You know, of course, they're following other companies. I mean, Tesla, you know, took a took an advanced role in that too, trying to insource as much as they can to, so they can continue to, to uh, send product out the door. So it, it certainly makes sense for those guys to do that too. It doesn't take a factory either to make semiconductors. It, you, you can do it um, with a fabulous semiconductor. In other words, it's just the engineering staff doing the chipset design and then you send it the files out in the cloud to TSMC or some other company to get them fabricated. So it's less of a centralized um, endeavor uh, to make semiconductors. Besides, there are stock sort of, if you will, stock footage kind of um, semiconductor cores, which you can license from ARM and others. I mean, you can just license the core and stick your peripherals on it and make your chip. So it's a lot easier than it used to be. And getting them fabbed, of course, there's uh, cost associated with that. But mm -hmm. It's complicated as you as you speak because you don't need a fab line, you don't need a fabrication factory to do it. You contract that out. So it's a it's a brilliant idea, I think. And and then the battle will be like who has the best chips in the car, like the fastest. And Ford and GM will get into an arms race 
for performance. <laughs> the new <laughs> arms race. Exactly. Now yeah. on the, on the solid state, I mean, is that kind of being looked at as the Holy grail here of batteries? Because we're, you know, obviously the, 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 the end result is to pack as much density, density safely in a battery pack in the smallest footprint you can, obviously, because cars have a limited physical size, you can only put so much, you know, batteries into that space to provide the maximum range and also to get the fastest charge possible because uh, charging is still a barrier to adoption in a lot of folks' minds with, with when it comes to EVs. It Again, it depends where you are and, and how important that is if you're not doing a, long, a lot of long-distance driving, that it's not really that much a factor if you could home charge and such. But, you know, trying to get that road charging experience as close to a gas station pump as possible. I don't think it needs to be there. I don't think it needs to be the same. Some people argue that. I don't think it does. But if you can get it to a 15-minute, you know, 10 to 15-minute sweet spot kind of thing, that makes sense. So is that what SSB is going to bring from a user experience, from a consumer experience? As I alluded to, um, the batteries um, have chemical characteristics which prevent them from being charged. Um, They're... Like in the Tesla, the battery is a cylindrical shape. Um, it's not the optimal shape. Uh, it is, uh, if you wanted to take a look at the volume, the energy density per volume, like the, the amount of energy per unit volume, but to keep the battery cool, it's not the optimal shape. As a matter of fact, it's one of the worst shapes. If you Interesting. Had, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Flat batteries like that are in the Chevy uh, Bolt. I have both. So your, your pouch style batteries, as they're called. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Battery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're easier to manufacture for one, uh, and they're easier to keep cool because the surface area on the battery is very large Mm -hmm. and circulate coolant inside of the battery. So in order for uh, a battery to receive um, high-density charges um, coming in as like a fast DC fast charging system, you're going to have to get the battery cool. That is the primary problem. If the battery overheats, it'll self-destruct and damage it. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, th- this is the this is the problem with with it's not just limited to solid state uh, you know non solid state batteries but solid state batteries keeping the battery pack cool while you're charging it. And by Most- the way, is is twenty degrees C kind of the optimum range? You know, that's my wife's that's her temperature she likes. So is that There's kind a, of the same? Yeah. yeah, room temperature is about the optimal you know charging mm-hmm. discharge. So it, m- many people don't realize that electric vehicles also have a heat exchanger or radiator in them. They have to keep the battery cool. And sometimes the motor is also liquid cooled, but uh, yeah, they have to, they have to be maintained at a consistent temperature. And one, one thought is that, for instance, you've mentioned that, you know, the cooler climates, uh, the battery is less efficient. So for instance, uh, if you get 60 kilo, hundred kilowatt hours, let's say out of a vehicle battery in a warm climate, you'll get 80 or 70 kilowatt hours out of a battery pack. And some of the thought is like how to keep the battery warm in cooler climates, especially if the vehicle's outdoors, so it accepts a, a larger input charge and the chemistry is fixed. So this is the, kind of the problem. And one thought we had it, uh, had it just like warming the battery, like when you plug it in, there's also a heater on it to keep the battery so yes. to get more charge on it. Kind of defeats your efficiency thing a little bit, but um, so this is the issue. Also, one other little artifact is cooler climates, the battery won't last long, not because of the battery per se, but because of the heater in the car. And my Chevy, my Chevy Bolt on a cold day uses about 10 kilowatts to run the heater. It's, it's not insignificant. Yep. To run the AC on a hot day only takes 3,500 watts. 
like four or five horsepower, something like that. So the heating, the heating systems, uh, the heating types of heating systems we have are inefficient. Um, and one thought we had was to be able to take the, the heat that's generated in the motor windings, the, those copper wire inside your motor, and to remove the heat out of the copper windings and use that to heat the interior of the car, thus getting better efficiency out of the out of it. So these are these are the the sort of the challenges in a colder climate of having uh, uh, you know an electric vehicle. It's a challenge. It is. And I guess heat you know heat pumps will help as well if they're efficient, and in some cases they seem to be becoming more standard now. Yes, that's correct. Well, back to the batteries. So this is the problem mm -hmm. with charging of any battery, any any solid state or lithium ion battery with a, a liquid electrolyte in it is to keep the battery cool and safe. Um, Tesla uh, is an interesting company. They're actually very close to here. They're about 20 minutes from um, here. Tesla um, seems to be uh, uh, the the car of the cars I've owned, the EV cars I've owned, it's the most accurate computation of battery mileage. My Chevy's not quite as good, but the Chevy cost half as much, right? It's a cheap car. Um, but they, they do it accurately. And, and they also, in areas, they also manufacture their own batteries. They just had, they just started a production line for their own battery packs there in, in Fremont, California. So um, Tesla seems to be the one who takes the highest risk um, of damaging the battery by drawing the most current, uh, both charge and discharge. When you're, excuse me, when you're, when you're driving the car, it's called propulsion mode. When you're, when you're braking, it's called regen mode, which is you're taking the kinetic energy out of the vehicle and using it to dump it back into the battery. They're, they seem to be ones who, to take the most risk uh, successfully. They must uh, have a, a secret sauce, um, a secret knowledge of their batteries that they're able to, to hit them this hard with charge and discharge currents. A DC fast charger is of 400 amps. Um, that's a lot of current um, to put into a battery. That's a lot of electron flux to dump into a battery. And so, but Tesla has been successful at doing this. Um, very, I mean, other companies are coming, Audi and, and Volkswagen also with electric vehicle programs there. They're, they're actually quickly catching up. So yeah, this Porsche is- Porsche as well with that platform, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting, the Porsche Taycan is called, they have a turbo S model. It's funny because it doesn't have a turbo car. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> So, it's a great car, though. I did I did review one last year, and it was uh, just lightning quick. It was just a like a, a roller coaster ride, you know, in a nice way. So I'd love to have one, but as soon as my Chevy Bolt wears out, <laughs> well, listen, you're going to get new battery packs soon uh, if you've got an older Bolt because uh, you're under the recall. So hopefully that will be an improved, uh, a little bit more range for you. Mine's a 2019. I already had the firmware upgrade, which cut my mileage. But oh, I love, I love the car. It's actually the best car I've ever owned. I just love that Good. thing. I I don't have to be concerned about where I park it. Like take right. it. I wouldn't want to park it around anyone else. I just take it over to Costco, whatever, and just leave it there and don't care. Yeah. <laughs> but um, they've done an amazing job on the car. I love it. Um, the the Tesla is a different brand. It's a different type of car. It's a more luxury brand. And mm -hmm. your expectations with a luxury brand are that the vehicle will perform better. It will be yeah. more accurate in estimating batteries state of charge and so forth. So you get all those things with a Tesla. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, my first EV was a 2018 Nissan Leaf. So I went from that to a model three last year. Um, no. So I'm now I'm into a model three and I'm into that Tesla. I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid because I'm very objective on the EV environment, but I do love it. And you're absolutely right. Um, Jack, that 
their secret sauce is their BMS. It's more software that vehicle than anything else and technology and the way they manage their batteries to be able to do exactly what you said, to accept those high rates of charge and to accept the performance and the output that you need, that propulsion side of it is, uh, and you know, there are cases where I think uh, a taxi company that does a Vegas to LA loop, you know, that has Model S's that have five, 600,000 miles and they've got like 10% degradation because, you know, Tesla does, for the most part, have one of the best systems out there. How they do it maybe is a bit magical. I, I don't know. Well, like they, they control the production of their batteries. A lot of mm-hmm. companies buy their cells from Samsung and other vendors. They do manufacture their own batteries. They have their own chemists, and they know the limits um, just mm-hmm. from iter- iteratively making mistakes, which they've been doing, making electric vehicles now for 10 years or something. So yep. they have made enough mistakes. Uh, in this process that they um, have know what to do. And these other companies don't have that advantage. They're, they're relatively new, hiring the right people. Exactly. Um, Henrik, you know, interesting to your point, Henrik Fisker, mm-hmm. I spent time with Henrik. Henrik is the, is the sort of, um, I would say he's the Moses of EVs in, in a way, because he was the first guy to have a full electric car, a beautiful car. And Henrik's a designer, an industrial designer. Aston Martin and BMW and so forth, the world famous guy, um, had his own car company, uh, Fisker Automotive. And the Fisker Karma was remarkably like the Model S. They looked really close together. As a matter of fact, I think there was a lawsuit over that. Similar curves or something. Yes, correct. Yeah, yeah. It's just a beautiful car. I, I thought when I first saw the Fisker, I've seen one on the road here about a year ago, but I first saw that, I go, oh my gosh, that's beautiful. Just great industrial design. Um, he said, to me that there may come a point in time where electric vehicles, the platform last forever, a million miles. There's no reason an induction motor on a Model S can't run a million miles easily uh, without cert- much service. No, there's no bearings to replace or anything like that. And it may be that you just get the car rebodied, which is an interesting concept. You take the car in, the body looks a little aged, the style, and you kick it in and it gets an upgrade at, a, at a, like a shop that does those kinds of things, a rebody shop. And you leave there and it's fresh. It's got fresh electronics, fresh software in it. No, no, maybe not fresh electronics, just fresh, freshened up software and new interior. And that's another secondary market is a car, a refurbished car. It's a great idea. And it also environmentally, if you're, if you're an environmentalist, it makes lots of sense. To your point of a million miles, yes, they can. They, they, they last a long, long time. Yeah. Which is, this is not really what a car manufacturer wants. They want you to buy. <laughs> want you to come back every four, five, six years, right? And keep uh, spending money. No, you're absolutely yeah. right. Uh, you know, I do a lot of public outreach and talk to people about EVs. And, and part of my presentation is that fact that, you know, there's, there's a lot less components. And the components that are there, like like the motors, these things are like tanks. You know, they just go. Not a lot, a lot that could go wrong. So there's certainly a ton of plus side when it comes to EVs. Now, to finish up on that solid state conversation, then, in your opinion, is this could this be the ticket in kind of helping those OEMs get to cost parity, or can they do it on the current technologies there? Well, to your point on cost parity, there's there's a substantial difference in base price between an EV and, a, and an internal combustion car for a number of reasons. The, the EV is a much simpler platform, you know. So we're taking a look at the batteries, the cost per unit per kilowatt hour. Uh, still very high. And when will that be eclipsed? Uh, there are a number of companies working on this issue right now to get the costs down. And it may not be a lithium battery. It may be another chemistry um, 
the the problem one of the problems of course with lithium and environmentally is that the mines that they make lithium out of are very dirty and they're often in places where you don't want to really be now, i know that afghanistan um, is quote i quote heard this and i don't have anything to back it up but they have very large lithium deposits this is the this is the problem is that you'll be in a place where uh, you don't you have you're trying to get a mineral from an, an area that's maybe not not even safe to have people at so but you're 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 right there it's it's a it's a substantial problem and it's being worked on what are, what other alternatives are there in the rare earth metal spectrum instead of lithium that would make the metal um, you know the materials anyways uh, you know accessible or you could get the materials locally well it turns out that rare earth metals tend to occur together. So you have a lithium mine in one area and then a you know hundred miles away or something, there's another type of rare metal mine. So it's a, it's a challenging problem um, to get the materials. So to your point of uh, the battery density, uh, you may be able to achieve a, a significant battery density with using a different material in the battery than lithium. It just so happens lithium is about, uh, about the best there is right now. And it just, it goes back to the 90s, and this is just a side note. I, this was in 94. I worked for an electric bike company building an electric bicycle. We had the very first lithium-ion batteries by Sony. There were Sony batteries in there. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it was successful. We were using uh, an older motor technology. They weren't the type of motors that are in the current EVs, which are much more efficient. It was an, a pretty inefficient motor, but it was a cost thing. We were trying to get the cost out of it. The idea is you would pedal the bike and you would get a boost when you pedaled. You could go long distances and it would like a battery assist. Anyhow, we got the first lithium ion batteries and their energy density is about one fourth what they are now. It was a great big battery pack for a bicycle. And that's what's happened in just in 30 years that's it's by a factor of four. I predict possibly that the battery packs will in 30 years will be one fourth again. So one sixteenth the size they are now. It could be a very small component of the car, then drops the vehicle's weight. And one other thing, the Model S is a heavy four passenger vehicle. What if you're just trying to get around town and you? it's mostly just you all the time. It seems like there's a market for a single passenger four wheel vehicle electric that doesn't need a big battery pack. Maybe it only needs four kilowatt hours or something like that. And you just park it and you plug it into the wall at your house and it charges it up and it's freshly charged in the morning. There's a lot of benefits to a lightweight vehicle. Um, the one is the kinetic energy is less. Um, it's, it takes less energy to accelerate it, less energy to stomp it. Um, th that's, that's a big advantage. The other one is they're a little bit slower. And this is the issue. You know, people look at the Model S and they go, why does it have battery? Why does it have brakes on it? It's got great big disc brakes on it. Well, that's because the battery pack can't take the braking energy out of the car on its own, but a lighter vehicle that's slower can. So we, I have built, and then I have one, uh, a vehicle that does not have brakes. It uses all electromagnetic braking, regenerative braking. And that's, that was a, an exercise to see if it could be done, but it tends to, turns out the, the, car, the vehicle only weighs 250 pounds. It's a four wheel vehicle, but that's all it can weigh. And it can't go very fast. But it does work. So I, I'm just to my point, I think that there's some things to do with the battery, but also the things to do with rethinking the transportation. And, and uh, you know, the Taycan is a beautiful car, the surfacing and shape on it, performance, but it suits a narrow market. Um, but most people just want to like get from point A to point B, like a commuter vehicle, lightweight commuter vehicle. Mm -hmm. 
there was discussion at, at the class that I teach about what would that be like? Well, first of all, it couldn't have the safety things that, you know, a lot of cars have. This adds weight. It can't have airbags. It's got to have a lot of weight taken out of it. Then it's in the spectrum of being uh, kind of a personal transportation motorcycle. Motorcycles are inherently unsafe. I, yeah. They're dangerous, right? But people, I love them, you know, they're great. Uh, but there may be a, a, a psychological thing to get over about driving a vehicle that probably doesn't have all that stuff, but it sure is cheap and it, batteries last a long time. So that's sort of my point is like we could build a lighter weight vehicle. And this is the exercise that we did. We also played around with batteries like organ, how to arrange the battery packs so they can take greater braking energy. Mm. Um, if you if you split the battery pack in half, you can then jam twice as much current into it. Like if you change it, you rearrange the battery pack, all of a sudden you can take a lot more current into it and increase the braking energy. Uh, under two different organizations, a switch that switches between the two depending mm -hmm. on what you're doing. I'm sure that the Tesla's looked at this and probably the complexity or something is too complicated to try to get to work. But and there's other things that can be done, just re-architecting the power electronics and re-architecting the layout of the system. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm efficiency besides different battery chemistry yeah interesting interesting yeah you know I, I i hear you on the auto side of it um but i just think north american and to a degree european culture european is a bit more accepting but you know we are we're a, we're a larger um car driving mentality that we need to go further distances and big is better that's just that's not you or i that's just the general sense so i i see the the practicality side of having a single person vehicle to go because 90% of the time it's just me driving to work. But the reality is that that's not what consumers want. And that, that sediment doesn't seem to be moving any fast towards that viewpoint anytime soon. Hence the reason why the OEMs are still going to latch on to ice technology for as long as they can, even though they've made claims of, you know, GM's probably the only one that's really put a stake in the ground to say by 2035, we're stopping ice. But Again, that has to become a reality. So it's a it's more of a cultural, social change, attitude change. There are companies like Aptera, of course, and others that are really trying to change that model. But I look at them as very niche focused vendors that will 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 put a stake in the ground. They'll do something, but they're not going to affect large change that we need. Uh, if we need a conversion of the global um, light duty vehicle fleet, it has to come from the major OEMs. Tesla is a catalyst and will continue to grow you know, trillion dollar market cap and so on. Um, but, you know, it's, as you mentioned, Ford and GM are doing these things. Those are the guys, you know, all the big, the, the big 10 that need to really jump into this and start converting. And and some of them are doing it faster than others. We'll have to wait and see. Do you, do you predict cost parity though within, would you say mid-decade, we might see that happen based on what you knowledge? I think the, the, the system, the manufacturing system is configured for, for ICE vehicles. The machine that 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 makes the cylinder bores in the block that the pistons fit into, um, the, that is just a, a, a machine that's readily available and competitively cheap. The machinery to manufacture motors, uh, mo the Tesla motor, the Model S motor is primarily hand made by hand, kind of. You know, it's it's like that. So they have to get the manufacturing part of it figured out, um, and and once they do that. The semiconductors that go into the switches that switch the motor on and off are very expensive, uh, on the order of forty to fifty dollars per unit, and you need you need eight, excuse me, you need six of them per vehicle. So now you know those have to come down in cost. There's a lot of things that have to come down 
in cost. So it's not just the battery pack itself. Not and, and those parts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Onics and so forth. So this is this is the, the these are the, the the issues that's the supply chain and man you hear that supports a lot of supply chain supply chain and the manufacturing that goes into making an electric vehicle that has to be changed now GM uh, is a powerful company with the ability to build just about anything As a matter of fact they can build bombers like they did in World War II they could just switch their production line and that just amazes me that they can do that so quickly. Yeah, I mean, they just talked about factory zero. You know, they they switched it over to full electrification in a lot less time than they thought. So it proves your point. They just have a really competent staff, great engineering staff. And it's just, it's a slam dunk for them to do that. I think they'd be easily, just like the semiconductors, uh, they may stumble a little bit at first, but eventually they'll figure out who to hire, which which engineer. Um, it's also interesting is that my friend is the, now the CEO of um, Benedetto Vigna, CEO of Ferrari. He's an electronics guy. Ferrari sees the writing on the wall. Uh, the vehicles are going to be software and electronics. That's what they're going to be. And very little mechanical stuff in them. The vehicle dynamics, the suspension and so forth, are kind of the same stuff. Sure. But it's going to be very different. Yeah, I think we've almost reached the limit of, you know, what how much horsepower and torque you can get out of an internal combustion engine and still being small enough, light enough, not necessarily fuel efficient, but you know, for if you're looking at Ferraris, nobody cares about the mileage. But there's only I think we we've almost hit the top of that technology. Am I right? Yeah, I I think so. I, I remember when Porsche nine eighteen, which is a hybrid, mm-hmm. came out. This is in 2014 or so. I wanted one. You couldn't get one, but uh, I really wanted one. I, I that's a performance vehicle. Um, it's a hybrid, but it's still a performance vehicle with 800 horsepower. Uh, when in both when both the internal combustion engine and motor so there's other areas than the ev you know that's a hybrid kind of thing i think what ferrari is looking at is they they see the writing on the wall and they know uh in the future that it's going to be a software be a software driven thing with electronics just like everything in our lives has become that way um, who would have predicted that you would be able to carry around a computer in your pocket with the power of a playstation 3 being able to render games as fast as the PS3. Who could have predicted that? I would. I didn't predict that. It just exactly. happened. Exactly. Or this or a watch that could take you know a satellite uh, astronauts to the moon or something as far as power goes, right? So who would have thought? Yeah, that, this is the thing. It's, uh, it's happened before our eyes, and yep. it's a natural progression. So I think Benedetto. He's a. I know him really well. He's a great engineer. He's he's top flight um, guy. Um, he he's going to transform that company. I think it's going to be a very different kind of company, and they will lead. They have kind of led in a way. They're a small manufacturer. They're not big. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they didn't go after that sort of mass market thing. They, no. A little bit with one of a couple brands, a couple of their yep. cars, or the California and so forth. The Ferrari California kind of went that that direction a little bit, but that's not their game. That's not what they do. They make exactly. Exactly. Well, I've got a couple of minutes left before my uh, non-upgraded Zoom uh, recording runs out. So in, in a minute or less, Jack, what what's final thoughts you want to t- tell some of the listeners about what to expect in the EV marketplace over the coming years? Well, there is there is a couple of things. One is that there's policy changes in Europe um, and they have to buy electric vehicles. So they'll be more prolific and widespread there. I don't believe the policy changes will happen as rapidly here. Um, and this this effort at decarbonization, um, what call it what you will, will actually yield um, a more efficient world for us. And and they'll sort out the charging station problems and rate of charge and 
DC fast chargers. Just as a side note, very quickly, in one 10 seconds or less, California does not have ele enough electricity capacity to run the EVs. They don't have it. If you if 10% of the vehicle drivers had used a DC fast charger, it would overwhelm the grid here. So that's something that needs to change in you know, infrastructure. I think the uh, president of the United States is uh, this package they've come up with uh, could be helpful. Uh, we'll see, but it has to change a lot of things. The infrastructure is one of them. There's not enough charging stations. There's not enough electricity capacity here. That's right. And in my speech at the Detroit Auto Show, I mentioned nuclear. It's like the N word. You're not supposed to talk about nuclear, mm. but we're, we're going to have to have that. There's not enough energy density in renewables. You can't run it on renewables. You just can't. So yeah, we'll not not yet with the technology we have at this point. Absolutely correct. Jack, I'm going to have to get you back on the show because it's been a fascinating conversation. Uh, I can tell that I've just scratched the surface of your knowledge base uh, in the EV industry. And I definitely want to give it a couple of months and we'll hook up and we'll talk about something else that's going on at that point in time. Very informative, excellent, very thought uh, provoking. And I hope the listeners have enjoyed your, your, uh, your comments here. Jack McCauley, uh, professor and innovator in residence at UC Berkeley, and of course, who teaches environmental vehicle engineering and EV expert. Thank you very much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. It's been great. And definitely, yeah, we're going to have to hook up again. So uh, thanks very much. Stay safe. And for my listeners out there again, thank you very much for taking the time to listen to the show. Please, I always welcome your feedback. You know how to reach me by email or through the YouTube channel. Uh, let us know what you think of the show. If you have questions, I can certainly get them answered by Jack. So again, thank you very much for tuning into this edition of the EV Revolution Show. And everybody stay safe. Thanks again for listening, folks. You can email me if you have comments. Email at evrevolutionshow at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at evrevshow. I'm also on Instagram, evrevolutionshow. And if you uh, have any suggestions for shows, please let me know. Thanks again for listening, and please, everybody stay safe. And until the next time, I'll see you when I see you.